0: Welcome to Crafts and Crime. I'm Amy. I'm Elaine. And today we are switching it up. Well, not really switching it up, but Elaine's going to do another craft and I'm going to do another crime.
1: Yay. Yeah.
0: It's been.
1: I'm also just like working through the same theme too. So it works out fine. Yeah.
0: And, and yeah. And we didn't record on Friday because, um, Oh. I threw out my back. I really messed up my back, and it was stupid. It was the I was literally like, "We did why?" Yeah, me. I was here. <laughs> yeah, you're here helping me because I was like, "I can't move." It was bad. I was just doing laundry, and it's that lift and twist. It's the twist. Yeah, I lifted. It's always and what it is. Yeah, I was. I have like a sectional, so I was leaning. I had like the ottoman in front of me, so I was going from left to right two different kinds of laundry, you know, towel over here, um, you know, clothes over here, whatever. And I was folding and it just was like a lightning bolt up my back. It mm-hmm. happened so fast and so I was immobilized.
1: Yeah, and
0: had to call you to well, Text I tried you, come and help, yeah, yeah. And then you kept getting mad at me. Stop adding
1: over. Stop doing stuff. <laughs> I know. But... I told you to text me to get the clothes from the washer and dryer, and no, I have a kids. I think he had Lincoln Lily yeah, do I it, have but Lincoln. I was like, I was <laughs> like, oh, I was gonna. Yeah. I figured, No, it's fine. We I have the to get kids something. here. Something I don't know what you're <laughs> <gonna> say. <laughs>
0: yeah, and then what day was it that my mom came? Was it Thursday? Yeah, it was Thursday. Yes. Yeah, my mom came and helped. Um, a lot with Link and Lily's room And mm-hmm. some laundry because of course it was like I threw out my back when I had 500 loads of laundry to do It just yes. piled up and And so she helped with that And I'm still trying to catch up and then Oh I don't even I didn't even tell you on Saturday You know I was i Well you know I hurt myself again on Saturday Getting yes. up too fast from
1: the couch I was right there Yeah, <laughs> You were like is it your knees and I'm like no it's my back All bag. the dudes <laughs> were chilling and partying And we were like cuddled well, Not not together, not together. <laughs> <laughs> on the big on the couch, couch <laughs> separately, <laughs> yes, because I was tired and your back hurt. and We were just mm-hmm. watching. I can't remember TV. Oh, yeah, just, just TV. Ghost stuff. stuff. I think. Yeah, it was. ghost yeah. Oh, stuff. Yeah, it was. We kept getting brought beef jerky, and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, we were just hanging out like old biddies. Yeah, and I can't remember why I got up really quick but i got up because you thought you were fine
0: oh yeah probably (laughs) but you were standing right there and i got up and twisted and i saw it
1: too yeah your poor like you just tremored and started to oh goodness oh goodness (laughs) bless you (laughs) thank you (laughs) y'all heard it here
0: (laughs) but yeah so i'm a hot mess um i'm currently sitting in my new computer chair
1: with lumbar support i know i
0: need the lumbar support um Yeah, I've hurt my back before. It's been a while. It's been when Avery was Mm -hmm. like a baby, I think I was telling you. And I lifted her out of the car seat and twisted. It's
1: ridiculous. The amount of mothers I know who throw their back out just picking up a baby. Mm -hmm. And I did the same thing with my youngest. And actually, our friend Randy hurt his back picking her up as well. One of the times we were all at the beach. And Uh I was like, I can't carry her anymore. Will you hold her? he picked her up and he hurt himself oh, too. No. Probably because he lifted and twisted. Yeah, it's like children, it's so easy. <laughs> the back no. destroyers. Me, I was just doing laundry. How pathetic yeah. is that? No, it's
0: not. <laughs> I picked it's up a, a towel and twisted, and I'm like,
1: yeah. okay. Well, maybe that's a little bit. I'm just kidding. But it's no, a twist. It, is. it always is. And it you is. Probably just did it too fast or whatever.
0: And I think what it was is right the day before that we were recording and editing, and we did a lot of recording that day. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, we did some Patreon stuff, and mm-hmm. so I was sitting in that crappy chair it is not comfortable it's like basic what would you even call that like a picnic
1: chair yeah it's like one of those steel folded yeah it's just a folding chair Mm
0: -hmm. and the reason why i was using that is because it's easy to like fold up and put away away. because it's like in we record in my bedroom and so um you know i need the room by my desk so yeah so i upgraded immediately i was like i'm getting a new chair i bet you it was that and then cleaning all morning so
1: so I'm in my comfy
0: chair. I'm getting used to it. Yay! It's like digging into my legs though a little bit on the sides.
1: But for anyone wondering, I sit four feet across on her bed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> all hunched over like Quasimodo. But, <laughs> but we're looking for like a- a- an on the bed support really, chair
0: I just or something. Need to sit up
1: straight and that would be fine.
0: Yeah, that's what I need to do too. <laughs> but I'm getting distracted because this thing rocks a little bit, and so I I forget, and now I'm like I'm freaking myself out. But it though yeah so we are recording what is today monday so we are just one day off but that's okay life happens it does and yeah so we had a i had a relaxing weekend because i couldn't do anything so i just laid on my couch
1: yeah yeah my weekend was nice too because i was just we all just chilled mm-hmm. except for when i was at your house but we just chilled. Exactly. We so I literally just had to get up and walk next door and do to the same off. thing I was doing.
0: <laughs> you had to get up one couch to go to my or couch. <laughs> so that's how we roll. Oh gosh. how we lay. Yeah. <laughs> literally. Uh, okay. Well, I guess we'll just hop right into your craft. Oh, let me fix my microphone. There we go. So, you ready?
1: Yeah. Okay. Today I'm talking about... blue.
0: Oh, yay. I had a
1: feeling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Blue. So there's a lot of um, blues, honestly. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to actually go over a handful of them. But again, as always, the source notes will have the other like mm-hmm. the other ones that exist, the other versions that are mostly synthetic. But I these are mostly um, our natural blues. OK. So, of course, the Egyptians They do it all. I know. (laughs) Um, In about 2200 BC, they made the first synthetic blue. Oh. Yeah. It was super cool. They would make glass, opaque glass with silica Mm -hmm. and um, minerals that had a lot of copper. So malachite and azurite and some lime and an alkali, probably Mm -hmm. pee. (laughs) Mm, Ew. (laughs) That's always pee. (laughs) And they would heat it up. They'd superheat it and turn it into these solid chunks of opaque blue glass Mm -hmm. and then they would grind it up and add a thickening agent and i like to think that it was probably honey because i really don't know what else it would have been then because it doesn't say Hmm. and then it made a really beautiful shade of blue and i'll have a picture of a vase that was painted this shade of blue and it is very much of a mix between almost like an oxidized copper blue Mm -hmm. and like what we consider sky blue today okay so I'll have a picture of a piece of pottery that still exists with the blue on it. So that's, that's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um. So now it's super quick moving on. It's crazy because there is a lot of of color history. Good old Pliny the Elder mm-hmm. who talks about it too, which is that natural history book. Mm-hmm. It's like the the <laughs> everything Bible of natural history. And it's crazy because we just think about who thought to invent anything. And the thought mm-hmm. of just like, oh, let's take try these this rocks and-, and this and heat it up, and it made See glass that was blue that we could paint stuff with. Mm-hmm. It's like science magic. Kind of like a toddler. Like, what happens if I put all this together? Mm-hmm. And it's usually, it, it, it was probably something typical in the way of like, I bet you lightning struck something. Mm, you know what I mean? The color and I of it bet it changed something. a color mm-hmm. or it melted some. Silica sand with oh, the rock, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. crazy. So, we move on to our ultramarines. Ultramarine was named from ultramarinus, <clears throat> excuse me, which is meaning beyond the sea because when it was brought over, it was brought over by Italian traders and their big boats and they would mm-hmm. come across. And so, it was created around the fifth century, which would be the beginning of 400 to 500 BC by the Afghans in Afghanistan mm-hmm. with lapis lazuli. They would oh, take it, and it's the same. Yeah. It really is so beautiful. It really is. And um, it's such a dark blue, and it sometimes has these, like, white kind of greenish. I'll, I'll have a picture of that, too. Okay. You can just Google it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was made the same way that it, the, the blue glass, the Egyptian blue, was made. So they crushed these lapis lazuli, and it just they wash it and i'm i'm thinking they literally hand pick out impurities Mm. because as i looked around again there's not a ton it's pretty tricky we're talking 400 bc yeah and um so it was a process of crushing washing if like i'm assuming like gold panning just shaking shaking and Mm -hmm. watching the pieces of crud you know, mm-hmm. like when you and I were busting open those geodes, yeah. there's pieces that aren't going to be worth anything in the eyes of they're making a pigment. Mm-hmm. A chunk of white quartz popping out is not going to be helpful. And yeah. maybe that's what they are okay. meaning in the washing process. Mm-hmm, probably. And so they continue crushing and washing and just completely over and over and over. And it's mixed with a dry binder. Now, a dry binder is also something that's still used these days in making... Watercolors I had to to pause I was like Watercolors My (laughs) brain was like Acrylic Nope Nope. And so that would be Like a linseed oil Because it Mm. is a liquid But it will dry down To a solid So they used A dry binder Which could have been linseed It could have also been Maybe a fat And when They take it And they would basically Muddle it together Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so they're Scrubbing it on a surface Likely a Very smooth stone And they're just Buffing it And buffing it And scrubbing And crushing and then they made this pigment and it was incredibly incredibly expensive and worth a ton of money and it the pigment ended up being worth its weight in gold but even then while it was still extremely beautiful it was only it was like a translucent type of pigment Mm. it was never solid so it was it had to be built up in layers as they used it which made it even more expensive okay and one of the things that ultramarine was used for as such a beautiful blue was it became synonymous with the kind of paint that was used in um religious iconography so the blue in the virgin mary's robe those types of blue it was always made as something extremely beautiful and special mm-hmm. and angelic and that color was used quite it um, seems to be a, a trend
0: of, of like the more expensive it is the more like sacred or mm-hmm, exactly. like, special it is and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and
1: and a good example like uh, michelangelo could not afford it it was too expensive mm-hmm. and i think we all know him so much that we think of like it didn't matter that he was famous and hired Mm -hmm. all over he he was poor all the way you know, forever and so michelangelo couldn't afford it and the painter raphael could only afford enough to use it as a very light wash over his colors and so Mm. it could transform colors as well okay so you use it as like an enhancer Mm -hmm, exactly you could put it on a gray put the Mm -hmm. blue on top and it becomes blue Mm -hmm. and therefore they would save money yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so the use of indigo, which most people are aware that it was a plant, it dates to around 4000 BC and comes from Huaca Prieta, which is contemporary Peru nowadays. Okay. Um, and it was used, this was actually, you saw me on my phone. I was still piddling around here. So I'm going to read something that I had pulled up oh, because yeah. I sort of forgot about it and that bummed me out. Mm. Um, it was, I'm just going to straight read this off super quick. I didn't want to leave it out um, oh, okay. on Wikipedia. I'm just going to go through here a little okay. bit. Sounds good. Um, it was, it came, it was cultivated. The original plant is called Indigofera tinctora. And the species came from East Asia, Egypt, India, Bangladesh, and Peru. The same mm-hmm. type of plant. And it was... Use Pliny the Elder mentions it in India as the source of the dye. That's where the name came from in like, quote unquote, later times. Mm-hmm. But it had been used obviously since 4000 BC, and that was the name it had been coined of. An interesting fact is that the color blue, as in the sky, mm-hmm. was not a name. It wasn't a thing. People didn't look up at the sky and look at the be- blue sky. It just was. Yeah. So it. I'm looking. I'm reading this here and. The ancient Greek term for the dye, I cannot say that, meant Indian dye. And that is where that um, indicum or indico, which changed to indigo, came from. Huh. I don't actually have a name here for what it was called before. before. Oh. Exactly. Yeah. So we ended up making, we found a, a type of the same plant here mm-hmm. that is called woad, W-O-A-D, okay. or isatis tinctora so very close to the original Indigofera tintura, tinctora mm-hmm. and it, but it's more of a pastel quote-unquote it's still very dark okay. but it's not a steadfast color I'm gonna go back to my notes now mm-hmm. it's not a very steadfast color and this color was the woad is what was used for royal blue mm. and so it was you know extremely expensive mm-hmm. and Again, the, it was made in the same way that a lot of our textile things have been made. They just pull off the largest first year leaves of the woad. Mm -hmm. They crush and macerate it with salt. And -hmm. then actually the color that comes out is the same way as our purple. If you were listening,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um, the purple, it oxidizes the same way as this Mm -hmm. color. It comes out as like a gray, a slimy, grody, ugly, sooty gray, and as it oxidizes with the air and soaking, it turns into this really beautiful blue. That's so crazy. But even with those mordants we talked about, the mm-hmm. urine, the acidic, Ugh. the lime, it is not steadfast and it did not last. Mm. So not only was it expensive, but it was probably stinky because I bet you they didn't wash it a lot. Yeah. And Ugh. that's kind of grody. At
0: least it's not snails and pee,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Rotten fish stench. Ugh. It's just maybe rotten celery, lettuce-y smell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In the 8th and ninth century, China started using cobalt, which is most people know that blue. Mm -hmm. That is gorgeous. It was a super 90s trend for glassware in the kitchen was cobalt. Oh, yeah. Um, And so cobalt was an oxide powder that, and for people that aren't aware, an oxide is a mineral that is mined from mountains, you know, Mm -hmm. and it comes out. And so this cobalt oxide, they learned by adding it to the white porcelain pottery that they were making before it was fired in kilns. They would Mm -hmm. use it um, with a paintbrush, maybe their fingers. It's just however the design was they were making. Mm -hmm. It was powdered on by hand. And then when it was heated in the kiln, it was actually an olive grayish, olive gray. Well, that's true. It was an olive green gray. So really dingy and grody. And as soon as it was super heated in their kilns, it turned into this gorgeous blue that's that we so cool. know as that blue, that beautiful willow blue mm-hmm. pattern on. Um, that's on cool. Wear. That's like, yeah. it reminds
0: me of just pottery. I'll see it's it so on TikTok magical. all the time where it's mm-hmm. like, that looks so dull. And then they yeah. fire it up in the kiln and take it out. I'm like, whoa, it's yes, so bright it and it's, it's crazy. And so it's the same cool.
1: thing. There are these oxide pigments mm-hmm. because that's what, it's what happens. And mm-hmm. again, it's such a strange thing because as we're going forward, synthetic cobalt was created in 1803. And what they did is they would superheat the cobalt oxide with aluminum oxide powders and to nearly 2200 degrees Fahrenheit or 1200 degrees Celsius. And they had to manage it. Again, I'm not sure how I can... um, I'll, I'll look around more and see if I can put it mm-hmm. in. But from what I was reading, it's not like a recipe, you know. Yeah. But they managed to heat those powders up and it melts them without incinerating them. And in that process, they melt together and turn blue. Ma, wow. Like, how do you figure that out? I know. Again, it's the same thing. You, like, make a mistake and put some stuff in the kiln on accident. Yeah. It's just... Magical. Or, just
0: or kind of like, like I was saying earlier, like, I wonder what's gonna happen. Let's try it uh, out. It's why just not, trial and error. Like, hey, let's, let's... fuck around and find out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's just see what yeah. happens. Yeah, because
1: that's how you know it's like, uh, it's not a mistake if you're getting somewhere, I guess. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Um, and here's the next one my next and my last, and then I'll have some fun facts. Prussian mm-hmm. blue, if you watch Bob Ross, he talks about it still. Mm-hmm. Prussian blue to this day is still a pigment that is made. Yeah. And Prussian blue is made from ferrous ferrocyanide, cyanide, (gasps) salts. Yes, it is that kind of cyanide. Um, And they oxidize the cyanide with iron. And in that process, it turns into this non-toxic pigment. Hmm. And it was invented in Berlin around 1704, like 1710. It's kind of in between. Mm -hmm. And I truly, again, it does not say why, just it must. Why would you put that stuff together? No, I know. You're like, let's die. <laughs> yeah. Um, And an interesting fun fact about Prussian blue, the pigment, for some reason, makes perfect carbon copies of drawings. And so architects use Prussian blue blueprints oh. uh, so that back in the day, you know, you would be able to lay it down and like card scrub it like yeah. a swiper. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Okay. So a few little, that was a fun fact for Prussian blue, but I have a few <laughs> little facts. Okay. Excuse me after I burp. <laughs> blue was the last color to be coined as a color in the English language. Oh, really? Yes, it's the oh, very Oh, that kind of makes sense because you
0: were like, there's no word for blue sky. Right. They
1: had to, like, come up with these then, colors. And in nature, in nature, a lot of colors don't exist in blue, if well, you notice. There's a lot, but I mean, nowadays... In-
0: i'm like, sorry i'm like in natural like you know and you go on a hike you don't really see a lot of blue no but I'm there's gonna, really go in not. your backyard you got all those pretty blue flowers and <laughs> i
1: found out the reason why most of our flowers that we have these days like i'm growing bachelor buttons or corn flowers but mm-hmm. i think they call them bachelor buttons when they're the multiple colors and not uh-huh. like that cornflower blue we know is a crayola crayon uh-huh. um and again like my i think they're called like blue blue eyed babies or something Uh, the other little blue ones i have little tiny blue and white Uh pretty much all of those have been genetically modified Uh through selective plant breeding over these times to make them so blue and we learned with plants like um, hydrangea when Mm -hmm. you change the ph and the acidity back in the day when pennies were really made of copper Mm -hmm. they would toss pennies and that can turn your hydrangea i believe it's from that pink to the blue to the blue to purple yeah so we have through, yeah they're so cute i love them yeah. through so through you know human intervention we have made bl- mm, more blue things in existence sense. because throughout history they weren't it was very rare and so huh. blue was looked at to be one of the rarest colors as yeah. well with purple like i just mm-hmm. you know like i just colored yeah <laughs> um the idea of blue as a color for boys actually started after world war ii manufacturers wanted to sell more clothing so they started making much different colored clothing because you know uh, victorian pictures if you look they have little baby boys in dresses and mm-hmm. stuff like because they're not dresses they're just dressing gowns you know yeah. i'm not having to move little britches off uh-huh. of diaper rags you know uh-huh. um and so that's when it really became popular was not until then all just to sell make more money that's crazy. like boys wear blue and it's it's masculine and girls wear pink and it's feminine. Wasn't
0: it originally the other way around?
1: I don't know. I, I do know that boys so. wear a lot of pink. I think that was but what it was was that it was very girls. um I would see blue would be super cute on little girls too. I put William in blue all the time. Yeah. Um let's see. Oh I read that one off of here. And then oh, my last fun fact. Prussian blue is actually used for specific kinds of radiation poisoning. What? And its side effects are only nausea and diarrhea. That's crazy. For some light cyanide poisoning to get rid of radiation. That's crazy. Ta-da! That was so wow. Cool. Well, I guess our intro was a little chit chatty. Yeah. I was really concerned that this was going to be super short, but then again, at the same time, I do kind of keep them short because I know it's not like the most riveting thing. But it is
2: mm-hmm.
1: for you you're, know you're getting... hobbyists like us. It is super oh, yeah. interesting. To I know. Find I'm like out. really, really. Yeah. <laughs> and then, of course, like for anyone like. I'm not going to get into the super deep dive, nitty gritty of of all of this stuff. Yeah, but my sources totally have it, and so if you are interested, there it's all in there. You just yeah. click those links, and there's lots more.
0: Yeah, I know. I'm. I liked it. I was. <laughs> I was you? riveted. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's fun because it's like I'm learning something. So yeah, I'm like, I, I only am knew too. a little bit. I know mm-hmm. that's what's fun about this is I'm learning <laughs> as I research and then as I'm listening to you. But yeah, I'm like, I didn't know that about the. Flowers and stuff, because like in your backyard, you have your whole flower bed. Almost all
1: of it's blue, and I was like, "What the heck yeah. is the rest of the color?" <laughs> yeah. And now
0: it's like there's a million well, you have all pink the and red pretty, poppies now. Yeah, that's how it's like. You have all those pretty poppies, and so you've got a lot of colors. There was
1: a lot of blue back yeah. there. It was like the first that showed up was blue. Oh yeah, but yeah, apparently it's not it's not supernatural oh, okay I'm guessing those colors were likely much more muted I'm thinking yeah all of those colors were like just like animals the selective breeding the way that they do it you know they just find the bluest blue and keep cross-pollinating yeah. the bluest blue flowers and they made gorgeous yeah blue. that's
0: the same thing with um I don't know how to say it okay. correctly Celadon um quail they're yeah, the ones that the do right the blue word. yeah, yeah. yeah. They're the ones that, and here I raise quail and I'm like, I oh, don't know, but um, mm-hmm. they lay the pretty blue eggs mm. and it's like selective breeding of mm-hmm. you need a celadon uh, male and female to
1: continue that blue. Mm. Or Bl- it'll just be like pale and almost white. Or it'll just be like it'll all the others out. brown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, so. so without the two, it won't be blue. Yeah. I don't think
0: so. <laughs> that's what I'm, just, that's what I'm starting to learn. And it's the same gotcha. thing like with, you know, rabbits, it's, mm-hmm. um, Because Bo, he's all white. He's a Holland lop. And he's all white and has blue eyes. Mm -hmm. And he has had multiple, well, he hasn't birthed the litters. But he (laughs) has helped produce different litters. Uh And none of them have blue eyes because that's a recessive gene. Kind of like in humans. Mm -hmm, Exactly.
1: And the ladies are all dark eyed.
0: I know. All the ladies are dark. And <laughs> yeah, so he's the only white one we have. And I'm like,
1: dang it. If only I could have another pretty- white. Yeah. Another one more rabbit with blue eyes.
0: But Molly just had that litter. And one of them looks like it's going to be white. And I think oh, it's Bo's baby. Oh, sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, I think. I know it's Bo's baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, but you I think it's going to look like. I think it's like going like to look. look. Did you use book enough? like I you? From no, I haven't. I time. took it out. <laughs> but then I put it in my phone. Um. Yeah, I have a problem with keeping track, but anyway, so, oh, excuse it. me, sorry, that was my microphone. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm waiting. are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> you have no choice. <laughs> okay, so once again, I'm, like I said, I'm covering a crime. It's not a continuation of what I did before. Oh, okay. Um, but... I was kind of surprised when I was researching this case that uh-huh. it does have something similar.
1: Oh, goodness. Yeah.
0: And, and, murder. <laughs> Sorry, it's it, not funny. It's not funny, but that was a funny
1: joke. <laughs> I should have saved that for mommy's after hours. Sorry, no. everybody. I know they all, th- I do it's... try to be really appropriate because it's not funny, but no, my brain was just not. like, well, I we'll mean, murders in common. But maybe yeah. it's not. These aren't always going to be, by the way. It's just, no. it just happens to be what we have been finding it, in our crimes, exactly. tend to be that. But,
0: yeah. Okay. Eventually we'll get yeah, to I'm like sorry, an I survived breathe. or something So it okay. won't always be yeah. murder I have a couple I survived that I want to cover oh, So um, Yeah that's a good show But mm-hmm. no anyways I um, am Going to talk about Rachel Kosub Okay Okay. so this case starts In San Antonio Texas on Monday June 6, 1983 So around 5.30pm Rachel Kosub's Daughter uh, Kirsten starts calling her work because she hadn't come to pick her up from the babysitter's house. Oh. And um, so she kept trying to call, but didn't get a response. And so finally at about 9 PM, Rachel's sisters drive to the design studio where Rachel works at to see if like they could see if she's there, or, you know, mm-hmm. if her car is still there or whatever. And they also call Rachel's employers, Dean and Sandra Murphy. They're the ones that own the business. Uh-huh. And um, when they get there, they see that Rachel's car was in the parking lot and the front door of the studio was locked. So they call the police. When the police arrived, they entered the business with Rachel's sisters to see if they could find any trace of her, which I'm like, why would you have the sisters come in? But I think they're just like, well, her car's here. Maybe she's sick or, Maybe you know, she fell down, happened. hurt herself. Mm-hmm. She's stuck in the bathroom. Yeah. So, um one of the officers went like you know one way and another went the other way and uh one of the officers noticed that her purse was still in her office and um unfortunately the other officer and one of rachel's sisters found rachel and immediately san antonio homicide was called and they quickly arrived at the scene rachel was found face down at the bottom of the stairs in the main showroom and a noose was made out of her own pantyhose and was tied around her neck Mm. and it was clear that a sexual assault and strangulation had taken place Uh, her clothing was all torn up and her hands were behind her back and there were papers strewn all over and it was very clear that a violent struggle occurred Mm -hmm. and but the officers didn't find any sign of forced entry and absolutely nothing was taken Mm -hmm. so um, yeah so investigation starts so Rachel she was 32 years old and she was a stay-at-home mom to her daughter uh, Kirsten until she got the job at the studio so um, everyone at the studio loved her nobody knew who would do something like this to her Mm -hmm. and her sisters were given the task of taking care of Kirsten like right after her murder because her uh, Rachel's husband Clifford Mm -hmm. was at um, in New York on a work trip So he wasn't even home. Mm -hmm. And so they are trying to reach him that night to get a hold of him to tell him what happens at the hotel. And they're calling and calling and they can't get a hold of him. What a horrific
1: thing. I have to call you to tell you this. Yeah.
0: And you're in New York. Because you can't just
1: be like, hey, you really need to come home and I'll tell you what happens Mm -hmm. when you get here. But they
0: could not get in touch with him at all. And then the day after the murder on June 7th, 1983... Clifford finally gets back to detectives and tells them like I'm coming home. Like he knows what mm-hmm. he finally knows what happens he's coming home.
1: What did somebody leave him a message?
0: I think so. Oh um, my god. That sucks. So, of course, detectives want to talk to him. The yeah. husband
1: usually is the first mm-hmm. suspect yep. and vice spouse. versa. Yeah. You know,
0: it's always the spouse or the, you know, not even the spouse it could just be like they the know boyfriend them the best. Boyfriend. Yeah. Exactly.
1: Who hates them right now or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. So, when he is questioned by detectives, he lets them know that like him him and Rachel like they had a fight in the morning before he left but like you know nothing out of ordinary for a married couple we have a little disagreement whatever um so detectives looked if like it was at all possible that he committed this you know crime if he could have done it before leaving Mm -hmm. but his alibi was airtight he was in new york when the crime was committed yeah so up until that point detectives and even rachel's family thought either he did it or had something to do with it they were like it's the husband oh no so her family um so that same day just one day after her murder coroner Susanna Dana conducts the autopsy on Rachel there were clear obvious signs of strangulation with the pantyhose um so like Mm. the peticia peticii and you know the all in her face and and eyes excuse me uh the pantyhose was actually so tight around Rachel's neck that the coroner had a hard time cutting it off of her that's how tight it was
1: and they have those special safety scissors that have Mm -hmm. the rounded end so you can push and not cut Mm -hmm. the skin so there was
0: she was clearly strangled that was the cause of her death uh there was evidence that her hands so remember her hands were behind her back Mm -hmm. but there was nothing on them but at Mm -hmm. autopsy um there was like residue consistent with oh, tape. Okay. Found. Oh, so, so they took, took off, off the tape? Yeah, that's weird. But yeah, so... Maybe the, they thought
1: about their fingerprints being left
0: on the tape. Maybe. Because it's a smooth surface. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no tape, but it was clear that mm-hmm. she was obviously taped up. Yeah. Um. And so the coroner said like the attacker was mostly like when she was face down on her back, strangling her from mm-hmm. behind. Uh, It was confirmed that she was sexually assaulted and semen was collected from like both her vagina and her rectum and saved for testing. And actually in the notes it stated that there was an abundance, like a lot of semen. So it was like enough that we can test this, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever. And back then it was just blood typing so you can get a blood type or whatever
1: um, in the 80s which is crazy and that is not that long ago how different it's it is now really i think we say not. this every time it's just like that was not that long ago no it was how wasn't. far science has come okay, yeah sorry. so <laughs> the
0: um, both the semen and the pantyhose were stored for you know safekeeping uh, testing and based on rigor mortis the time of her death was found to be between like 10 a.m and noon So um, there were really no leads. So detectives talked to the employees of the design studio. And an employee named Susan said that she had actually called the studio and talked to Rachel around 10 that morning. And she said that Rachel told her she wasn't alone. But there was a guy there and he was looking for, you know, ceiling fans. Mm -hmm. And so um, Susan said Rachel asked her where the fan catalogs were. And Susan told her they're in the back room. And she asked Rachel, do you need any help at work, you know, today? And Rachel told her, like, no, it's fine. I'm, I'm fine. And so other than that, they know there was, like, a man that came. There's mm-hmm. no other leads. Yeah. It could have just been, you know, a shopper, mm-hmm. guy, whatever. So because there were no leads, um, soon the, the case began to go cold. hmm Um, But then one year after Rachel's murder, on Thursday, March 8th, 1984, just 19 miles away in Universal City, Texas, at 9 a.m., a rape occurred. Oh, no. The victim was Mary Jane Chisholm, I think is how you say her last name, Mm -hmm. and she survived the rape, Mm -hmm. so she didn't get murdered, Mm -hmm. Um, but she told detectives that... The Man that attacked her did not want money And but she was convinced like he's Going to kill me oh, no. and um, So Mary Jane Worked as a secretary at an engineering Placement center and all of the work Was done either over the phone or by Mail so it wasn't really A place where like customers come in or yeah. People were coming in and out mm-hmm. And so she said that sounded like stranger encounters Yeah yeah you don't deal face to face With customers mm-hmm. and so she said that someone Came in and so she thought like Maybe he's lost so, she said he was asking about a business, like, if there was a business around there. So, she tried to help him, like, find it. And then that's when he pulled a knife out. Oh, no. And she tried to fight him off, but it said he was just too strong. And she also said that he just kept yelling and yelling at her and just kept saying, like, I don't want money. Because she's like, take whatever money. And he's yeah. just like, I don't want money. Then he dragged her upstairs, <laughs> threw her on the floor, and then tied up her hands and feet with tape. Oh, <gasps> the tape. Mm-hmm. The entire time he just kept yelling at her He then took her driver's license And showed it to her and said Like I know where you live oh, If God. you tell anyone I know where you live Like mm. I'm going to come for you
1: He must have a photographic memory
0: So I think he took it with him Oh I see um, He then assaulted her and then left And she said that she was just too scared to move And like mm. get up And she's still tied up You know taped up And mm-hmm. so she just laid there and yeah, and you're like,
1: are they gonna come back? And then they're yeah. gonna be
0: mad I left. hmm Yeah. And so someone that worked in the complex finds her and calls police. Oh. And when police arrive, they inform Mary Jane there is a serial rapist on the loose, and she's not the only one this has happened to. Oh no. At this time, there were multiple other assaults that have been happening in the northeast area. Mm-hmm. So Live Oak detective Gary Hopper was on her case. And when interviewing her, she was actually able to give like a really good description of her attacker mm. and was able to make a composite sketch. And so immediately, Detective Hopper reached out to local news agencies and was able to get the composite sketch on the news that very night. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And of course, many calls started coming in, you know, just mm. like, I think it's this person. I think it's I- that I'm
1: person. I'm sorry. Uh did they tell? Do you know if they had told her like the other assaults also involved like the binding of the tape and stuff too? Mm-mm.
0: I think it was okay. just I don't know if those others. It was just, like, it was just this was the a case that was brought up in well in the show I watched it was mm-hmm. she talked, okay. Okay. and so I'm pretty sure the mo was the same with mm-hmm. all the others. Or they wouldn't have told her. I mm-hmm. think. Okay. And but just the fact that there's a lot of sexual assaults <clears throat> happening, they're like telling her mm-hmm. it's some somebody's out there doing mm-hmm. the same exact thing. So. Um so anyway so they get it on the news Calls start coming in A lot of them are you know just Okay no it's not this person Or whatever mm-hmm. but One call came in that proved to be very helpful It was um A man who said his wife Is certain she knows who the man is Oh and so oh, they were by like the composite, yeah, the yeah, composite yeah the composite sketch And so um they were like well Can we talk to her and he was like no She doesn't <laughs> want to talk She doesn't want to have any part to do with this, but I will tell you everything that she told me. Oh, she just doesn't want to get in the middle of it. She's like, Mm -hmm. I can.
1: She's probably afraid of this. She's probably afraid. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, then why would you say anything?
0: Okay. (laughs) Exactly. She knows who she is or he is and then bye. You know, no, it's like, I will tell you she doesn't want to get involved. Um, So he says that his wife works for a construction company and the day she encountered this man, there was nobody else working there at the time, but her. And she said that a man walked in and she was immediately scared by him. Mm. Like immediately. Um, He. You know that feeling when you Mm -hmm. know. You just trust your gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she did. And so he had asked her if there were any jobs available and if the boss was there. And she was very smart to say. Like, oh, yeah, um, boss just left right around the corner of Seven Eleven to get us coffees. He should be back, like, any second. Any second to help you yeah. out. Yeah. And so then he was like, I don't have time to wait around, like, and just left. Mm. And she looked out and was actually able to get his license plate. Nice. And she wrote it down. <clears throat> and so detectives run the plate and find out that the car belongs to 35-year-old Mike Dossett. Mike was a carpenter living in Live Oak. And he umpired a uh, Little League in his spare time. So uh, they go to his house, talk to him, and his wife answers the door. And they ask if he's home. And she's like, yeah. And they're like, well, we need to speak to him. And so when Mike comes to the front door, detectives are shocked to see Mike looks exactly like the composite oh. sketch. Exactly. Wow. It was that accurate. Okay. And so they take him in, read him his rights, and then start interrogating him. Of course, he denies.
1: He has. This is a... reasonable doubt, right? Or co- probable cause. Probable cause. Yeah, okay. it's just
0: like you look like this You're, it's person too close to resemble. Yeah, it. and someone's like,
1: "How can you do that for someone? Okay, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah, so
0: they just bring him in. They're mm-hmm. like, "We need to yeah. talk to you." So, um, he denies everything. He denies that he had anything to do with the rapes and said no. He never went to any of the stores. He had no priors to show that he was a violent mm-hmm. criminal or anything. Mm-hmm. But detectives knew one thing that really showed that he could be their guy and the detective pulls out the composite sketch hands it over to mike and says who is this <laughs> and he looks at it and he it's says it's
1: this bitch says my twin brother
0: <laughs> sorry <laughs> no, no sorry was... no he <laughs> okay. looks at it and he just says uh, that's me oh yeah uh-huh and then he admits to everything oh wow yeah they got lucky he admits to everything um and then he says he wanted to get caught so he could stop. So oh, that's kind of sad to. Yeah.
1: Like it's gross, really gross and awful but like yeah. sort of sad. Like, but
0: it was what? interesting that he's just like all he needed to do is see the sketch and knew like I'm caught. Like they that's, know that's me. Yeah. I'm the prime suspect. They're mm-hmm. gonna know it's me eventually. So he just says like it's
1: me. Yeah. Like um, you, it's so strange like that the the mental illness that makes him so sick to, to mm-hmm. do stuff like this. You're like, but I wanted to get caught. Why didn't you just go why don't you just go and
0: turn me, yourself, turn yourself in? in? Yeah. So he said there was like two different sides to him mm-hmm. and there's that sounds like, like his twin. Yeah. No, his <laughs> evil twin. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And that's yeah. literally what he said. He has this evil part to him and he oh, just couldn't control it. Okay. Mm. And so then he, you know, he's telling them like, Yes, I committed these rapes uh-huh. or whatever. And then he starts, um, talking about this horrible dream that he had. So this is where it's like the last two again. Yeah, again.
1: I didn't. Uh, I didn't plan I
0: this. Dream. I promise. I was that's like, that's
1: so crazy. Yeah, I so, had a dream I killed somebody. Yeah, or I and assaulted that's somebody. Pretty, pretty much it.
0: what he says. So he says he's been having this horrible dream, and in this dream, he says that he's standing on top of the stairs with a handrail around him. Yeah, and he is looking out, and there is a body laying at the bottom of the stairs, but he can't tell if she's dead or alive. So. Detective Hopper starts to make the connection to Rachel's case. Mm-hmm. Originally, that wasn't a connection. Right, because the it was others a are just sexual These, assaults mm-hmm. without the. Yeah. So, Mike says that it was just a dream and he never attacked anyone in that way. Mm-hmm. And this dream became known as the Bannister Dream. Okay. So. Detective Hopper called San Antonio detectives and made the drive all the way out to San Antonio to talk to them. Mm-hmm. And detectives talked to... Um, so it was Detective Hopper that went out and they showed him all the crime scene photos mm-hmm. and the dream matched up like with super great detail to the dream like the dream and the crime scene photos are like right. the same mm-hmm. and, and so um, he's
1: still like steadfastly standing by he
0: didn't do it and yeah he's saying dream, i did not Mike, do that okay. but i've had this weird dream mm-hmm. and like yeah mm-hmm. don't know why he would even talk about the dream
2: mm-hmm.
0: and so um
1: because he wants to stop so i know but like... still he's been stopped he's and no. he's like admitting to something that will imprisonate imprisonate (laughs) imprison him forever because unfortunately we know sexual assaults Mm -hmm. do not land you in prison that long no not really no
0: not like murder so um so mike Dossett was then questioned about rachel's rape and murder and detective uh, urbanek was the one to interrogate him and he says that mike said he would just rather talk to a doctor like he's like I'm sick mm-hmm. I just need to talk to a doctor mm-hmm. and but they just kept grilling him and he just like would shut down and not confess to anything and they asked if he knew that Rachel's daughter played t-ball in the league he umpired for so her daughter uh, Kirsten mm-hmm. th- you know so he has a connection to Rachel in that way and he's like no I didn't know that he denies he knew anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he didn't know why he assaulted the other women and just kept saying he didn't murder Rachel. He didn't do anything to her. So eight months after his arrest, Mike Dossett was convicted of committing multiple rapes and was sentenced to 25 years. Mm. He served eight years and eight months in prison. <laughs> and then what was, did I just say? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and then he was on mandatory supervision for the remaining 16 years and mm-hmm. four months. So he was out. But yeah um <laughs> he was obviously divorced from his first wife yeah um and when he was released he actually ended up remarrying ew yeah to a woman named linda and on the show it's the show cold blood mm-hmm. I, I I don't know i've been stuck on that lately <laughs> but she talks on there like oh. he, she's interviewed yeah and so she says that when they went on their first date he actually told her like i had been in prison and it was for assault and she's like assault you mean like does that mean like rape people yeah, or, or like rape? Work? And he was like, no rape. And so he just tried to explain like, I was depressed. I was in a bad place and da, da, And so she. There are some
1: things you can forgive in people, but come on now. Mm-hmm.
0: And so she, you know, he was like, I just want to start a new life. And so she gave him a chance and they got engaged after just like five or six months after Gosh. their first date and they got married. Mm-hmm. So. Um, At this point like all those Other rape cases had been solved it was mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. But Rachel's Rape and murder couldn't Definitively be linked to uh, Mike right. so because
1: the blood Type but that's it yeah and but That's that it and so like half and half the population mm-hmm. Or like a th- there's Three right, A B, and then like the weird. And four O and O positive. Yeah, okay. oh, yeah, but so, still, <laughs> I know. And so it was they, not enough.
0: No, and so Gosh. it's like they can't just be like, "Oh, this person made a sketch of you, mm-hmm. and your blood type matches." It's and not you had a dream. And you had a dream exactly. So, but then think about the last couple cases where it's like a dream is all, all it takes, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so. They just didn't have enough to connect yeah. him. So Rachel's employers said that it was just too hard to like continue to work at the studio. And so they sold the business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everyone still is all this time after her death, people are still grieving her and, and it's, and it's hard when it's like an unsolved case and you just don't know if the person's still out there. Yeah. Um, so, in nineteen ninety five uh twelve years after Rachel's murder, her husband Clifford died and it's sad because the daughter you know was talking about some people you know still believed he had something to do mm-hmm. with it, and so he died you know it's just it's sad so um it was then that her daughter uh Kristen. Or Kirsten, I keep messing that up um, Called the police department to open the case again So Detective Tim Britt Looks at the case Except there was only one problem Do you want to guess? He decides to look at the case And mm. They can't find it Oh my god It's gone They can't what? find anything And they have no idea where it is So Detective Britt Called Detective Hopper From Live Oak to see if he could tell him everything That he knew about this case so Hopper tells him About the dream and tells him like I'm convinced Mike did it Mm -hmm. And so Mike was then brought in again To be interrogated about Rachel's murder And he denies everything And then they say well you know at the time of Rachel's Assault and murder DNA wasn't a thing Right so then they Start to tell him about you know DNA is Being used to help solve some crimes and so Mm -hmm. Detective Britt got a DNA Sample from Mike Dawson uh however they didn't know where the evidence was oh, to test it <laughs> again like they didn't have the rape kit they didn't have the pantyhose nothing so detective Britt was actually so frustrated and fed up with like the department he decided to quit the police force well wow. yeah but before he left he decided to call um kirsten and tell her all he knows about mike so He told her about the dream he told her like i think that's the guy who did it Mm -hmm. so in 2002 18 years after rachel's murder uh, kirsten emailed the cold case unit at san antonio police department and detective george george sadler gets the email and decides okay i'm gonna go find the case file and he was shocked to see there wasn't one and the only thing they really had was like a general report that just had like, um, it was like basic police reports and like times and dates and who was at the scene. But that not kind the of bulk thing. of the, the good,
1: the part that's important. No is not evidence,
0: there. no crime scene photos, oh no uh, interviews, no autopsy report. None of you that.
1: You had one job whoever works in the clerk's office. Mm-hmm.
0: And there was also nothing detailing Mike's dream. The only reason he knew that was because Rachel's daughter told him about it. Does his
1: wife work at the clerk's office? I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's usually a connection if someone's trying to hide it. Um, yeah. I think this legitimately was just like bad. A mess up. It was just like, It's done. Good. It's
1: not that. We're going to move it aside.
0: Yeah. So um and so uh, he knew that they had um Mike Dossett's DNA and uh, so he decides the only thing he can do is go to archives and look for the case so this means he's digging through hundreds of unmarked boxes looking for anything pertaining to her case so literally jumbled up boxes of like other case stuff Uh stuff that's just like it's like not filed where it should be. So, while doing this, he finds the autopsy report and the pantyhose. Cool. So, he immediately called the lab to see if there was, like, any advancements in DNA technology that could help get, like, this, you know, the um, skin cells. Mm -hmm. Because DNA is still, like, you need blood, you need semen, you need, like, you Mm -hmm. know, clear. But it wasn't... And there needs to be enough to test. Yes, that's another thing. And so, it was, like, if they could get anything off of the pantyhose... That clearly he had his hands on mm-hmm. then like can you and so and the-
1: typically like i'm thinking of <laughs> if you're gonna do that you're gonna pull and you're probably gonna keep wrapping and pulling. yeah there's you're gotta be-, be a lot of skin cells mm-hmm. or sweat or exactly. something on or the like if you're pulling it's gonna strip it off your hands yeah so he's it. thinking skin
0: cells mm-hmm. and yeah. so the lab's like yeah just send it over we'll see what we can do i
1: wonder if they like soak the whole thing like, I don't know I the wonder.
0: um. So no, I think they look under the microscope to see if they can find mm, skin okay. like um epithelial. Uh, yeah, and I'm <laughs> like, here that. I have a <laughs> master's in forensics. And I'm like, i like, oh, for let me. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a little bit. <laughs> <Let me laughs> I know. I'm like, I'm really tired. Epithelial. <laughs> yeah. So they're looking for anything on that, and unfortunately, the lab wasn't able to find anything on the pantyhose, Dang. and that's like really all he had, other than the autopsy report. So. Because he found the autopsy report, he knew, unfortunately, well, fortunately, but also unfortunate for her, right. but there was plenty of sperm that was collected and saved. Mm-hmm. He just needed to find it. Right. And so he started looking everywhere that it possibly could have ended up, and it was thankfully found. It was in the back of a freezer at the Bexar County Medical Examiner's Office, and it had been sitting there for two decades. What? and was so badly degraded oh no it due to there was like mold fungus bacteria present (sighs) on the sample yeah disgusting but it could still be viable right because all it does is degrade. yeah degrade it a bit and so there's the hope that like okay we need Mm -hmm. to see if we can get anything off of this now and um So the lab runs a sample and the report comes back (laughs) to say there's no DNA found. Oh, no. And so he's just like, are you serious? Ice crystals will
1: explode cells. Like, that's the problem. It's the biggest issue with like tissue salvation in general mm-hmm. is the frostbite it, mm-hmm. is like the free freezer burn. It's, it, yeah. it, it and will and just like explode and destroy two decades,
0: Oh, well, almost two decades. It's been sitting there and it's got mold and fungus on it. And so they're like, you know, so he's just like, come on. Yeah. So he calls the lab and he's like, is there anything else we could do? There was a plenty of it. Like, mm-hmm. is there anything else we can do? So they're like, let's send it over to this other lab. They have newer technology mm-hmm. and let's see if they can get anything. And so, they send it over and the DNA results came back. The DNA from the rape kit matched Mike Dawson. Mm-hmm. The DA was immediately called and they got an arrest warrant. When detectives show up to arrest Mike, his wife was like in shock. She's like, you know, he's she's convinced there's no way he could do murder because they're like, he's being arrested for assault and murder. And um, so he completely denied that he had anything to do with the Rachel's rape and murder. And they had to explain to him how DNA works and that they were certain that it was Mike because there's a 99.9% match to Mike.
1: That's crazy. But again, like people don't didn't understand. So you're like, it's yours. It's literally we can tell. There's no
0: way. Yeah. So he was booked for rape and murder. And in 2005, his trial began. So the defense tried to say that because the evidence was old and degraded and, you know, moldy or whatever, Mm -hmm. it could have resulted in a wrong match no that it doesn't work that way they got dna from the sample it's it didn't match to anybody else there wasn't mm-hmm. a 50 percent match or whatever no right. it was it was 90 it, it was him mm-hmm. so um so prosecution had to explain it's not possible that it's yeah. a wrong match it's his um so two of mike Dossett's rape victims were put on the stand to testify that dosett went to their work yeah but to help another yeah yeah, Yeah. to help put him back in prison because he's out Mm -hmm. at this point you know and he's been out for a real long time living his
1: best remarried life Mm
0: -hmm. and so two of his rape victims went up and testified that Mm -hmm. basically the mo was the same they showed up at his at their work um you know pulled a knife tied him up raped you know assaulted Mm -hmm. them but they didn't obviously get killed like her. Mm-hmm. So it was like, what happened That there? is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, he went to their work in 1983 and 1984. So the two women. So it was right, same time. Mm-hmm. Um, prosecution then brings up the dream Mike talked about. And the defense tried to get this thrown out. Mm-hmm. But the judge declared that the dream would be admissible. So it was used. So the dream I mean, he
1: talked about it a lot, mm-hmm,
0: and it and it matched the crime scene in great detail. So it was clear that he committed the crime not only because of the dream, but because of the fact that his DNA was found yeah. inside of her. Yeah. So um,
1: he could like, have been like blacked out. Like it's still there. Yeah. You've got it there somewhere. It's yeah. Maybe that's why he's having the dream. Mm-hmm. But and, he I mean, did it. He may truly have not remembered. Mm-hmm. Mental illness does some strange things, but. But he did. Yeah. It.
0: yeah. So prosecution explains what my, Michael Dossett did to Rachel that day. So Rachel had worked by herself that day. Dossett walked into the office. When she was talking to him, Susan called to see if Rachel needed help at work. And Rachel informed her was she him. was fine. It was the customer. And that there was a man there asking about ceiling fans and asked where the catalogs were. Remember, Susan
1: called at 10. Her time of death was put between 10 and 12. Like Right after mm-hmm. they got off the phone He probably realized oh I gotta hurry up Because she said
0: mm-hmm. uh-huh. So uh, So yeah she said She's fine she doesn't need help and that And she asked where the ceiling fan catalog was And mm-hmm. you know Susan told her They're in the back room and they got off the phone Mike had a bag that he carried With him and had a knife and tape Inside oh. He uh, Then as she was going to get the catalog for him He pulled the knife on her He tied her hands behind her back He then sexually assaults her and then strangles her to death with a pantyhose and leaves, locking the door behind him. Mm -hmm. So in January 2005, Mike Dossett was found guilty and was sentenced to 40 years. I know, 40 years. Even after the DNA evidence showed that he committed the crime, Mike continues to maintain his innocence and say he had no idea how his DNA got there. He's on that show that I watched that episode. What? And he is saying, I like, have no idea. Like from prison talking? Yes. And oh, he's okay. saying, like, I have no idea how my DNA got there. So like you said, I didn't even think about that. He literally mm-hmm. could have blacked out. He could have. He could have done it. Know, and it he doesn't he make it OK, re- but like mm-hmm. there is totally he really that thought it was just a dream, but he really
1: did it. In like, um, what do they call it? Like a fugue state where you like mm-hmm. freak out and black out. Because that's not always just for like dementia and mm-hmm. Alzheimer's type of people. Oh, so, God. and his wife still believes that he didn't commit the murder oh, my God. either. my so he assaulted her, but he didn't kill her. So one's okay, but but the other he doesn't. Is
0: not. I think he says he. Well, he says he that's doesn't know right. how the scene got right. how his DNA got there, so he doesn't remember any of it. Mm-hmm. If that's really the case, but I'm like, why would you admit to all these other assaults, and not this assault because mm-hmm. this has murder? But you know you're going
1: to maybe I, because hmm. his, he really just does not. You'd be surprised people who lie pathologically to themselves. You can convince yourself of what's true. And yeah. What's not true. Yeah.
0: Maybe he really was just like telling himself, I didn't do this. My evil And it's twin just a dream. It. It's a mm-hmm. dream. Yeah. My evil side. So, um, uh, on August 23rd, 2006, Mike appealed his case stating that the DNA was mishandled and went missing and then was found degraded. So it shouldn't have been used. Mm-hmm. Um, he also stated that the dream shouldn't have been used for him in court. And, of course, they found that there's no evidence that the DNA had been mishandled. It was just sitting in a freezer. Mm -hmm. And um, that the dream was told to detectives after he was read his rights, so it's admissible. Mm -hmm. He had a total of, like, eight issues he brought up at appeals. Mm -hmm. And thankfully, his conviction was upheld. And so I haven't found anything after that 2006 appeal. Mm -hmm. Um, And Mike Dossett is still behind bars. And Rachel's daughter said... um, I, at the trial, that she was going to make sure that he served his entire sentence and couldn't appeal and get out, and he's still in prison as of today, and
1: he's he's gonna die in prison. Do you he's know what older. what his what his age is about now?
0: Um, now, um, I think he I. I should look that up. Maybe in the sixties. Yeah. So yeah, a lot older. Like
1: forty years still isn't that much. Like, how the hell does that even happen?
0: No, I know. For I, I know the family, especially Rachel's daughter. You know, is just obviously happy that justice is served. But Mm -hmm. I do get it when, um, it just doesn't. You know, and she even said, um, you know, that he deprived her of ever having. You know, a oh, mother, yeah. and then her dad and, passed away too. Mm-hmm. You said, yeah, so that was like twelve years after. Um, twelve years after. That's to be so, a, young, young. A she young, was like twenty, and she's now no fighting plans. to get this case reopened. And I can't even, I can't even imagine how I would react to finding out we can't find it. What What do you mean what you are can't you talking find about? it? You can't find
1: it. Yeah,
0: and i'm just glad that that detective put in the work Mm -hmm. and he was determined like i'm gonna find it i'm gonna do the legwork i'm gonna figure it Mm -hmm. out and so it definitely took two different teams of detectives to band together and and solve it but yeah i think i kind of knew pretty quick it's him oh my god it's yeah. him as soon as he confessed to those other rapes mm-hmm. and the detective was like it this sounds dream. familiar Come on now. <laughs> yeah I'm telling you I was like a dream what is with these men like just confessing through it was a dream Keep that dream to yourself. I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't. Well, right. this one didn't. It is so dumb. But You're literally
1: just like, what is wrong with you? I do.
0: So like the last one, the last uh, two episodes ago when a dream was used against them and it was completely false. It mm-hmm. was, I think it was just you and the dream came out after um, the initial Interrogation. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they have like the, it's fresh in your mind. So when you're going to bed, you're thinking about these things. So it's probably like, oh, like you guys put all this in my head and now I'm having this dream. This is different. Exactly. This is, I did it. Oh, and by the way, I'm having this weird dream. And then explains Rachel's basically crime scene in detail. Um, Yeah, we're going to use that at court. You clearly described a crime scene. How would you know? All of this you know he described her at the bottom of the staircase mm-hmm. hands behind her back didn't mm-hmm. know if she was dead or alive and that's all he remembers yeah. but they're like
1: i'm sorry did she actually fall down the stairs no i okay. think it was, it was um like a, no
0: she just was, really looked like it yeah like it oh okay, no okay. it was it i think her place occurred at the bottom of mm-hmm. the stairs yeah because he attacked her as she came in so i don't okay. think she had time to gotcha. go upstairs but um Damn. yeah so sorry to bring down the mood but mm. at least it's solved yeah so, i was a little worried that it was gonna actually go unsolved and i, I still
1: <sighs> can't believe did that lady stay married to him I, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah she the was whole time, like he's mm-hmm. in jail and she's like I As, uh, um i don't know the date of the episode like but, i that's right you
1: said she was talking yeah she was
0: talking she was interviewed positively she, about mm-hmm. him yeah you know, and just saying she Come was shocked. On, She's never known a violent side of him. Make and,
1: better choices. Yeah,
0: and I'm sure he probably did want to change after that, uh, and just put sure. it behind him. Which I is mean, like...
1: there are unfortunately there are many serial killers that had happy marriages and happy children mm-hmm. and were good parents, mm-hmm. and they can compartmentalize that enough that she may truly only know a positive side of him. Yeah, but. Because she met him Come after on. he served some time. And, you know, mm. so I'm sure he's just like,
0: I'm never doing that again. I yeah. just want to. And I'm sure he probably never did, you know, yeah. that, we, that we know of. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So it she's, is, like
1: I said, as far as I know, she's still married. She was talking. She still had his last name. Yeah. Well, and... I mean, Richard Ramirez got married in prison. Ugh so did charles manson Ugh. i mean or i don't think they would i don't think they would let charles Man- charles manson get married maybe he did i can't remember but still they're those dumb people mm-hmm. too we'll get to it one day yeah. we'll figure it out yeah.
0: okay so with that <laughs> our, faces. <laughs> our faces are like so <laughs> bad <laughs> so yeah just uh stay crafty and
1: not cry me bye, bye.